Hello and welcome to the UTS ACRI podcast. We have a special edition for you today. As the unprecedented public health impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic continue to permeate into both daily life and the broader currents of international affairs, it is clear that what began as an outbreak of a novel coronavirus in the People's Republic of China has mutated into a globalised grey rhino event with significant second-order implications for the Australia-China relationship. In helping navigate these uncertain times, UTS ACRI will be releasing a series of podcast episodes focusing squarely on COVID-19 and its impacts within the context of the Australia-China relationship. The aim of this series is to provide timely and clear-eyed insights into a rapidly evolving situation. In this episode, economist and director of the Australia-China Relations Institute, Professor James Lawrenson, will be providing his analytical take on the economic impact of COVID-19 on the Australia-China relationship and its projected impacts on China's economy. He will also reflect on implications for debates around how Australia should move forward with its economic relationship with China in the pandemic's wake. My name is James Lawrenson. I'm the director of the Australia-China Relations Institute at the University of Technology, Sydney. Today, I wanted to offer a few of my latest thoughts around COVID-19 and the Australia-China economic relationship. Right now, of course, in Australia, all the concern, rightly, is about the public health consequences of COVID-19 as it spreads across the country and the economic fallout from the policy steps that the Australian government and state governments have had to take to deal with this spread. Cities being locked down, States closing their borders, for example. But the concern about COVID-19 in Australia was already very vivid way back in January, when it was only China that was locking down cities. Here's a fun fact. UTS ACRI researcher Michael Joel has been tracking the number of news stories containing the keywords Australia, China and coronavirus since the beginning of the year. He found that even back in late January when COVID-19 had hardly made an appearance in Australia, there were already more than 1,000 such stories appearing in Australian media every week. That concern, of course, stemmed from the importance of China for the Australian economy. That is, if COVID-19 hits the Chinese economy hard, what are the flow-on effects for Australian companies that sell goods and services to China, or more precisely, What's the flow on effects for the jobs that these companies provide Australian households and the tax revenues these companies provide the Australian government? The reason this gets a lot of attention, of course, is that last year, China brought 38% of Australia's goods exports and 19% of Australia's services exports. These exports in total accounted for more than 7% of Australia's GDP. Now, overall, that made Australia the world's 16th most China-exposed economy as a proportion of total goods exports and the highest in the OECD. So let me run through what I consider to be a few key observations around COVID-19 and the Australia-China economic relationship. First point. As the trade numbers are unveiled in the coming months, keep in mind one very important point of context, and that is this. Just before COVID-19 struck, Australia's trade with China was at record highs. 
It's been one of the big stories of the Australia-China relationship over the last couple of years that for all the political and diplomatic tension in the bilateral relationship, trade has in fact never been better. The annual value of goods exports to China in the year to January 2020 hit $150 billion, up 26% on January 2019. The latest data covering services exports put the value at $18.5 billion, up 8% on a year earlier. Now, it was in late January that the Chinese authorities started putting their country into lockdown. And it was in early February that Australia started doing things like closing the border to Chinese students and tourists. So it won't be until the February trade data gets released that we'll start to see the COVID-19 impact. But I mention all of that because it makes the point that any future data we see coming in the coming months have been coming off a very high base. Second point. There's no doubt that China's economy has taken a massive hit since January. A recent Wall Street Journal article, for example, noted Deutsche Bank forecasts that were tipping an annualized 31.7% contraction in the Chinese economy in the first quarter. Now, before you freak out that this might mean China's economy will be one third smaller by the end of 2020, this is an annualized figure. So it assumes the rate of contraction that occurred in China in the first quarter will be extended over the full year. But in fact, those Deutsche Bank economists were also expecting a recovery as the year goes on. And in fact, for China to record a 4.5% expansion by December. Still, that's more than 1.5 percentage points lower than the growth China in fact recorded last year. And other forecasts are for a more negative outcome. UBS, for example, they expect China's growth this year to be just 1.5%, far below their original growth target of around 6%. While we're talking about the economic hit of COVID-19 in China, one related observation is that official Chinese data doesn't appear to be concealing the ugly turn. China's official manufacturing and non-manufacturing purchasing managers indexes, indexes of business sentiment and activity in January and February, for example, hit record lows and were actually even worse than market survey expectations and worse than an unofficial purchasing manufacturers index published by the Caixin Media Group. A couple of weeks ago, the National Bureau of Statistics of China also said that in January and February, industrial production fell 13.5% over the same period from the previous year, while retail sales fell by more than 20%. So in short, there are good reasons to be concerned about the flow and effects of the economic shock in China for Australian companies. Third point. Yes, Australia's exports to China are going to take a hit, but the extent of that hit is going to be very, very diverse across different sectors of the Australian economy. There's certainly no one-to-one -one relationship between Chinese economic growth on the one hand and Chinese imports. Illustrative of that is during January and February, Chinese imports were in fact only down by 4% on the same period the previous year. That's not just from Australia, that's from all imports in total. 
And in Australia, of course, we're familiar with the fact that there's no one-to-one -one relationship between Chinese growth and Chinese demand for Australian exports. We learned that during the GFC, when Chinese growth, in fact, halved, at the same time as Chinese demand for Australian exports actually increased. So to give you a bit of a flavour for how this uh, impact will be very different across sectors, consider Chinese visitor arrivals. Now, even in this single flow of Chinese citizens to Australia, it encompasses people arriving for very different purposes. First of all, there's Chinese tourists. That is, Chinese visiting Australia for holidays and to visit friends and family. Now, this is going to be wiped out almost entirely. So what we're talking about there is 948,000 fewer Chinese visitors based on latest available data and $4.3 billion less expenditure. But Chinese visitor arrivals also come for education purposes. And actually, the spending of this group is more than Chinese tourists. It stands at $7.1 Now, that number is going to be negatively affected, but significantly less so. The Department of Home Affairs says that on the 1st of February, 56%, more than half, of the 188,896 Chinese student visa holders were stuck outside of Australia. Well, that's not good, but it also means that 44% were already here, not an insignificant proportion. And Home Affairs followed up by saying that on March 1st, the proportion overseas had fallen to 50%. So half here, after more than 10,000 Chinese student visa holders had arrived in Australia during the course of February, presumably after spending 14 days in a third country. I expect by now that more than half of them are back in Australia. And of those that remain in China, they're not completely disconnected from the Australian economy, engaged, for example, in online course offerings by Australian universities. So the hit to education is going to be a lot less dramatic than the hit to tourism when it comes to those Chinese visitor arrivals. You can do a similar exercise across Australian economic sectors. Mike Smith, the Australian Financial Review's correspondent in China, he had a good article appearing on the 31st of March reflecting on the situation for agriculture. He noted that beef exports seemed to be holding up relatively well, while seafood was struggling more. And rather than a collapse in demand from China's middle classes, what many Australian exporters were finding more of a challenge is in fact logistics and getting the product from Australia to China amidst massively increased freight costs. Fourth point, and I'll finish with this observation. I've seen a number of hot takes that COVID-19 somehow demonstrates that Australia is too dependent economically on China. Well, I'm not buying that at all. The most basic point COVID-19 now clearly is not a China-specific crisis. It is a global crisis. And if you think Australia's exports to China are going to take a hit, well, Australia's exports to everywhere are going to take a hit. There's no island market out there that's immune to the negative shock. Earlier this month, the OECD, for example, downgraded growth in Japan, our second largest customer, to just 0.2%. The US, India, Indonesia, which of these alternative markets would you have more confidence in right now 
to set up an economic rebound after having gotten the public health crisis of COVID-19 under control. In fact, it is highly likely that China will be the first major economy to come out of the other side of COVID-19, having controlled the domestic spread. Now, that's not to say the process will be linear and it'll be simple for China. We already know that one of the big challenges that China's economy is going to face is a collapse in export orders as other countries have their own wrestle with COVID-19. So it's not going to be simple. And we can expect that after a shock of this scale, Chinese consumers won't simply bounce back to the same levels of confidence they had back in 2019. Nonetheless, if Australia is going to have an exposure to a major global economy in 2020, I'm pretty happy it's going to be China. I'll finish up there. Thanks for listening. That was Professor James Lawrenson, Director of the Australia-China Relations Institute, discussing the likely impact of COVID-19 on the Australia-China economic relationship. To follow our COVID-19 analysis, you can subscribe to the UTS ACRI podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud, or listen to all episodes on our website at australiachinarelations.org. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ACRI underscore UTS and on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.